Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hello, I'm Becky Parker Geist. I'm the host of the Audiobook Connection podcast, Behind the Scenes with the Creative Teams. I'm also president of Bay Area Independent Publishers Association and the CEO of Pro Audio Voices, providing audiobook production, distribution, marketing, and podcasting services. And today I have with me Francis Rivetti, author of The House on Liberty Street, Home of Second Chances. This was a finalist in the National Indie Excellence Awards and well-deserved. Francis, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. It's my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about you, about your background, what you've been doing in life and how you got started. Well, I'm a, a Sonoma County Northern California-based writer, freelance journalist. I trained as a newspaper reporter in the East Anglian Fens in England, where I was born and raised. And my favorite thing to do was ramble around on assignment in the company's mini, tracking down (laughs) stories from the tiny little villages and lesser-known parts of the Fens around Cambridgeshire and Lincolnshire. Uh, really, that's how I cut my teeth as a storyteller. And I moved to the States with a very adventurous husband in my mid-twenties, temporarily. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but <it was> like <laughs> 33 years later. Yeah. Uh, we did come straight to the Bay Area and um, moved up into Sonoma County after the first couple of years from the greater Bay Area. And I have worked at, as um, a freelance writer pretty much since then, raising three sons and um, had a column in my local newspaper, which sent me back out on the back roads, rambling around Sonoma oh, County oh, yeah. at coast. And even though it's completely the other side of the world and topo- topographically very different, I found all the deep roots and connections that I'd grown up with in this agricultural community. And the, with the pioneer heritage fascinated me with the immigration and the gold rush era history and pre-history, um, you know, very interested in the First Peoples, long legacy, kept beautiful caretaking before we all got here. Right, yes. So my, yes, so I, I wrote freelance for wine country magazines and different lifestyle magazines. And I amassed so much great information at the beginning of the farm to table movement that I decided I needed to put that into a nonfiction book. So first two books, the Fog Valley series, were really my investigations of that pioneer farming culture and the food culture and the fishing culture on the Sonoma Marine Coast. Loved writing those passion projects and a regional readership that went much further than I had anticipated as people wanted to share where they lived and sent the books all over the world. So that was exciting. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then after the second, I had a lot of reader feedback, please try your hand at fiction, translate these stories to fiction. And at first I thought, well, I'll try to do some murder in the vineyard or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't, that wasn't my style. It wasn't 
translating quite that way for me. My my journalistic side really kicked in to gear and how exciting it was to translate real contemporary stories to fiction, to be able to share them to a wider audience. And at the time of my first novel, it was the um, cannabis ordinance was coming into play in Sonoma County. And there was huge controversy on both sides. And I would attended a lot of meetings as a reporter. And oh, this is the agricultural story for right now. This was 2019. I published Big Green Country. And that was thriller set against the Emerald Triangle with, from a woman's perspective, it was a kind of a very meaty first novel. Yeah. So after that, I decided, I think I'll write a Christmas novel and I'll set it in Petaluma where I live in the gateway to wine country. And it's going to be in a Victorian house and it's going to be all warm and cozy. And that'll be a really good second novel after the gritty first one. Well, one, as soon as I started writing, it took on it, you know, it took on its real life had its own, had its way with you, right? <laughs> yes. And then another wo- woman, women driven story of the, um, the house on Liberty Street, the homeowner and her single mother, the daughter who's a single mother and her granddaughter. And all the action takes place between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day afternoon. And, uh, things happen during the night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's been fun with my readers that I've been building up to get the feedback. Oh, we we loved being lulled into this simple, traditional wine country Christmas and the preparations then. (laughs) (laughs) Look out. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I try to have positive resolutions in my stories as we work through contemporary issues. It's that's I think that's my fictional style that that seems to have established itself. Yeah. And I really like how you talked about coming from reporting on the small towns and villages in England. And then and now you live in a smaller town in Northern California. And so a similar a choice in terms of yes. that. It seems like that's your spot. Is nice oh, yeah, definitely. Small towns, yeah. And wonderful characters. And yeah, I've met so many fantastic friends in so many different avenues in this area that the storage is just so rich and the history is so fantastic. Yeah, it, yeah. And was there a particular moment of inspiration for House on Liberty Street? Well, yes, I think I started writing just prior to the start of the pandemic. And so once I really got into that first, second draft, I was, we were in lockdown and I was walking every day with my dog, the historic neighborhoods in Petaluma. I can walk from my house, fortunately, and we would wander for miles and I'd take in all the Victorian homes in all their various different states of disrepair and completely revamped and, you know, everything in between. And I just, the history is so palpable to me as I am around those houses. I think probably having grown up in the UK where you know, houses are hundreds and hundreds of years old and have gone through so many remodels and different versions of themselves and families. Whereas here, I know many families that can trace back to that, to the first ownership of those Victorian. And that absolutely fascinates me. So I think that period of time where I could really absorb that and wonder and think, and it just, the story definitely transformed as we were in lockdown in major ways. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can picture you walking down the street and looking at these and imagining the thrillers, the stories that might be happening behind those closed doors. Yeah, I can I could see how that would be very inspiring. I have um, friends who live on that street. So it is a real street, the Liberty Street. And the house is a mixture, fictionized mixture of several houses on that street. I didn't want to do that to any one particular homeowner. <laughs> Although in both my novels, I'd still have people insist it's their particular ranch, a ranch and a particular house. And I have to, have to really <laughs> plead with them that, that it is actually a made up house, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, it is, right. but it's a real street. And um, I have the couple that I credit in my acknowledgements, um, Chris and Elaine Stevick, and he's a his architectural historian and remodels and lives in a Vic, in one of those Victorians. So they were desperate to show me around. They knew I, what I was writing, yeah. but we had to wait until we were all vaccinated. I said, uh, <laughs> coming in yeah. until we're, I don't want to bring anything to you. And so when, once we were able to do that, they gave me a really wonderful tour and I was able to say, okay, go jump up and down in the upstairs bedroom above the parlor. And what happens to the antique? chandelier (laughs) so that all those details in this in the book are really accurate yeah what a great opportunity to be able to do that wonderful yeah that's terrific let's take a short pause and we'll come right back and talk a little bit more about the audiobook of the house on liberty street october 2023 is thriller month on amplify audiobooks don't you dare miss it AmplifyAudiobooks.com Find solace and hope in The House on Liberty Street, Home of Second Chances by Francis Rivetti. A heartwarming, cozy thriller of redemption and new beginnings. This Northern California cozy thriller takes place between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in a Victorian home at the gateway to Sonoma wine country in the quaint riverfront city of Petaluma. The dark side of the holiday unfolds in an all-woman, multi-generational household on the brink of irreversible change. Widow Ada Maria and her daughter Gracie, a single mom, are settling in for what they hope will be a quiet, uneventful holiday with slow-pleasured, traditional Italian-American festive preparations. In turn, heartwarming and harrowing, unexpected events occur when a stranger disturbs their sleep in the early hours of Christmas morning. Put another log on the fire, make yourself a cup of tea, and settle in for unforgettable and immersive storytelling as the past, present, and future collide in the company of an unforgettable cast of characters. Get your copy today at AmplifyAudiobooks.com. So Jennifer March did a wonderful job narrating your audiobook. Tell us a little bit about the your audiobook process. How did you approach that decision initially to create the audiobook and then the process? What what steps did you take? Well, I've been thinking about audiobooks for a long time and 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 attending um, Baper meetings and listening to your presentations and other presentations and really knowing that I wanted to do that. But as an independent publisher, I very I take my time in all my steps with my books to really make everything viable financially and build my readership and 
Um, when I feel confident enough to take a new publishing step, then, you know, that, and, and we were really at that point now where I, okay, I need to do this. And the house on Liberty Street is the one to start with. And I had, uh, really come to that realization. I met Jennifer, who I know socially in Sonoma County at a Halloween party last year, this time last year. And we were chatting about the audiobook possibility. And, and I knew Jennifer was narrator, is narrating. And we talked and I said, Jennifer, you really should be the narrator for this book. She just was the embodiment, I think, for portraying Ada Maria, the main character's voice. She'd lived, I, I'm very aware of being a British American. So I have to work very hard in my Northern California novels to, to try to wheedle out most, most of my Britishisms that have remained. So in a, in, so as for a narrator, I wanted someone who really knew precisely this area precisely and would be very authentic in her reading of the characters. And so everything just fit together perfectly with the, de with, um, with Jennifer's whole package for it. And I told her, I'm not in a hurry, so let's take our time with it. She was able to do a really beautiful job for me. And then really just wonderfully at the same time, Amplify Audio, you kicked off, up off <laughs> with all your hard work and yep. launch. And I thought, oh, this is just wonderful, natural energy, which is what I really enjoy in my publishing process. And uh, all makes sense. And really do as a woman writer and small publisher. My cover artist is a local artist, fit woman artist on House of Liberty Street, Jennifer's Liberation, your business. I, I really um, love working with other women, which is wonderful. And I, I'm really happy to say that my books resonate extremely well with men and women. So many readers have said, well, I bought, female readers, I <laughs> bought the book with my husband loved it. And I think that's interesting because I do write women from the women's perspective, but I think I live in a, I have yeah. three sons, grown sons, and my British Italian husband, who's a force <laughs> to be reckoned with. And I think, I think I'm able to write the women's story that is not exclusively for women, that men can grasp and share and appreciate. And, and I think I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I think it's especially interesting considering that it is a cozy thriller or that you were connecting with Jennifer at a Halloween party. That just seems so somehow perfect. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a loomer. It's so this community and the heritage home influence in this community, even if people, even if you don't live in one, is huge and very much appreciated and celebrated. Yeah. For those, those of our listeners that haven't yet had the chance, but hopefully will have the chance to listen to The House on Liberty Street, would you like to tell them just a little bit about, just a teaser about the story itself? Yes. So it starts um, set Christmas Eve 2019, just as we're about the world turning itself upside down. And Ada Maria is in her mid-70s. She's a born and bred Italian-American, Northern California a Victorian homeowner, and she's multi-generational handed down, and she's struggling to keep the house together with all the rising costs of inflation and building materials and repairs. And her daughter, Gracie, who's a teacher, has been, had, had moved back in with her two little girls after a very difficult, troubled marriage that she'd exited. 
So they're settling down for Christmas Eve. They're planning to have a very traditional, fairly frugal Christmas Eve with all the um, wonderful foods that we have here in Southern Sonoma County and coastal West Marin crab and all the her traditional Italian recipes are being prepared for the four of them. And tables are being let and the fires are lit. And it's a very wet Christmas Eve afternoon, progressively getting worse. So as the evening progresses, Gracie takes a little outing with the girls, comes home. She actually has a date in the speakeasy and takes off for a brief while, comes back. Ada Maria is asleep or trying to sleep. Gracie's asleep. The girls are asleep and they have an in, in, intruder. First one and then a second intruder during the night. And the two women have to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very small ensemble cast of characters. And um, we get to really address all the things that have been going on in their lives and their own relationship with each other and things that haven't been faced in the past and that need to be. And uh, I work through a tremendous amount of material in 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> but it's very, it's, once you get into the action, it's pretty fast paced um, and, and yeah, yeah and, very gripping. And what would you say are some of the issues that the story calls up that you're able to address and work with for those characters? I think in Shaw, uh, where we've had um, prejudice, deep-rooted prejudice that people don't realize that exists, um, that's one of the major issues. This is a multi, multi-generational and multi-racial story. So we address through all the different characters how relationships have been perceived or accepted or not accepted in the past. So that's a major theme is recognizing when we've had our own prejudices and how to move forward from that. And the other major theme is change and uh, learning how sometimes the old ways are not applicable anymore and we have to open our minds to new ways. I think for elderly people feeling the generation of feeling in, that they're becoming invisible, how we recognize that and make that something that's not happening, how every all the generations can work together and live together. And then the main, and be respectful of one another. And the main um, theme really, I think, is housing, co-housing, how we rethink our spaces, how we manage to keep people in their homes. And I think that the those are all like really important for us, I think, as people. I think those are the major themes. And the first one really strikes home for me in terms of that our great need to be able to look at the prejudices that can disappear in our own. We just aren't aware of them. And that can be a hard, very hard process, but so, so important, yes. so valuable to us in terms of growth, personal growth, but also growth as a as a society, I think. And living and writing in a community, the same community, about that community, I can't be too hard on people too, it's a community call. So that's always an interesting, that the journalistic side of me keeps that in mind. And it, I've had really good feedback from people discussing that topic, that it, that it wasn't offending anyone, and, but it did make that's people really good. Yeah. feel and think and open up conversation. And when you began writing the story, did you know, I find this, did you know that you were going to be addressing those issues? And I'm especially interested in this because I know when I released my 
novel last year that I I learned so much more about my writing after the fact. After it was written and then I had I started talking to people about it and it was really then that I became more clear about well what is this story actually about? Yes, we're as writers we're working through that process in where we live and how we live and what we're seeing around us. And it is a surprise how some of that processes into our writing. And then during the editing phase, that's where it really develops for me. And I have I have a concept editor, Elaine Silver, but I also work with my oldest son, who's 32. He's a multimedia editor on several rounds. And he, that's been an invaluable relationship because he can really bring a different generational conversation to my writing. And he grew, grew up here too. So he was able to talk about situations he'd experienced in high school and work through those with me. So I was really fully understanding my characters and what they might have experienced during that time in their lives. Uh, and it's, it's really good to be, to have that encouragement to go a bit deeper and explore deeper and talk about things we might think, oh, I'll be more polite and brush that aside. The character Raymond, the soon to be former husband, is a very dark character and I had worked really intensely with my uh, with my son on revisions of Raymond because I was pretty hard on him initially and then I really worked to go beneath the surface and work out why he was had behaved like that what happened to him why not to excuse his behavior but so that we understood more about the societal issues that he had faced and yeah. When you describe that process, which, of course, as writers, we need to engage in, but it's also something that as actors, you know, who are either narrating an audiobook or performing a piece and engaging in that kind of character work, it's that very in-depth exploration of not only the behaviors, the behaviors that any character exhibits are just at a very surface level, but really delving deep into not only the why, but but really coming to understand the why, I think is a whole additional level of, of depth that brings great value to us as readers, as audience as well. Because when you've gone through that for us initially, then we're able to better, I think, uh, tap into understanding each other as humans. You know, because yes. we're complicated. <laughs> Life is complicated. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and I, I really, in, I really am enjoying the process of writing stories based in the area that I really, where I live, and really know. Because you really, there's so much beneath that the actual words that are in the story. That so much experience and questioning and understanding and figuring things out to create those characters that you couldn't possibly do if you didn't know, know that region to that level. And a lot of readers ask me, well, when are you going to write stories set in the UK where you grew up? <laughs> so when I have enough time to go over there for a chunk of time and really be back there doing my writing. Yeah. yeah. It, it says a lot to be immersed in the culture that you're writing in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So uh, what's your, yeah. your, either your aspiration with this particular project moving forward or what's coming up next for you? What are you looking ahead to? My inspiration with this project is with the audiobook. Um, I really am excited for the next couple of years for getting that book into nuances globally. I think it, it really 
this one, this particular story, I think has the potential to go much further afield with the audiobook. And just me, when I listened to Jennifer's files, it transported me. It, I didn't even feel it was, I'd written the story. It was like, oh my goodness, this is such a great experience that I'm fairly new to audiobooks myself. So it's, I'm really excited about it. And I think as the small publisher, it's the hardest thing is self-promotion and marketing. And so having new tools in the toolbox is really exciting and it gives me more more energy, to, I think, to go out there and push it out into the world. Yeah, my every book and every different new version of the book, I think, reaches a, a new audience for me. And I'm fully understanding the patience and that it takes to develop a good readership. And, and it is definitely happening. And that's exciting. But yeah, advice to new authors, it's definitely not a sprint. It's a marathon and, and really learning all these wonderful new platforms and tools and sticking with it is, is key. Yeah, brilliant. So yes, building my readership is my yeah. aspiration. Beautiful. And we're so thrilled to, yeah. to have the House on Liberty Street on uh, Amplify Audiobooks. And I encourage our listeners to get it there. That's the best place to support the author in the audiobook world. Francis, uh, I just want to thank you for taking this time to spend with me and talk about your project. It's wonderful. Again, uh, this is Francis Rivetti and The House on Liberty Street, Home of Second Chances, a cozy thriller now available on Amplify Audiobooks. Thank you. Thanks so much, Becky. Okay. And thanks to our listeners. Uh, we look forward to having you back with us for our next show. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.